Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. My name is Ray. The time is, where are we? Quarter past six, Friday morning. Oh, the 1st of July. There we are. Pinch punch, first of the month. No returns forever. Do you remember? <laughs> I remember doing that at school, which was good fun. Now, what's been happening? First of all, weather report. I don't know what the temperature is here at the moment. Probably about 18. No, probably not even that high. Uh, so I won't convert that to Fahrenheit because I, I don't know what it is. It's too early in the morning, but the sun is up. The birds are singing. It's absolutely wonderful out there. I did wander down to where the squirrel box is. I fed the squirrels. I fed the birds. Trish has fed the rabbit and the tortoise. Everyone's awake, up and about. In fact, Trish now has gone out for a walk. She said, come out for a walk. I said, well, I'd love to, but my knee hurts. <laughs> I have got a bad knee. We won't go on about that. Blue sky to the north. I'm looking over the South Downs, as always. Not a cloud in the sky, not a breath of wind. Our cherry tree in the front is barely moving. But what I have noticed is, because we're kind of midsummer, well, we're past mid now, aren't we? What was it? 21st of June was the, the longest day. But the sun is actually shining in this window. Now, I'm facing north, and it very rarely shines into this window. It's only in midsummer, the real midsummer, that I get it here. Rest of the year, it's round the back, because obviously the back of the house faces south, and we're in the northern hemisphere and all that stuff. <laughs> so you know where we are, or where I am. Okay, so lovely day, sunshine coming into my high-tech recording studio, lighting up all the mess in here. I've been playing radios. I haven't done a great deal in here on amateur radio uh, gear, because I've been, because of the weather... I've been out in the garden working on my Lister engine, my stationary engine. Yesterday, <laughs> oh dear, I got into trouble yesterday. I changed the oil. I washed all the old oil out, poured it out, out of the sump, washed it all through with paraffin, ready for new, fresh oil. The trouble is I got it on the patio, on the paving. Oops, I got into trouble. Anyway, I cleaned it. Luckily, I, I cleaned it up. And you can barely see where it was now. So I've now been sent to the end of the garden with the engine, which is standing on a big tarpaulin. So I can go and make a mess down there. <laughs> Happy days. I've heard from Ray. I think I mentioned on the midweek message, Ray, about dress code in the 50s. How about that? People, men wearing a suit, shirt and tie on the beach. Midsummer and they're on the beach. Talk about midsummer, hot weather. And they used to wear suits walking around town on a day off. I know that people on a Sunday used to wear their Sunday best because they'd go to church, stuff like that. And they'd put on their... I suppose what it was, all week you're at work, uh, especially manual workers, like you're in a factory or road worker or all that sort of stuff. You can't wear a suit there. You wore overalls and whatever. I suppose on Sunday, which for most people was the only day off, didn't have Saturdays off. I didn't when I first went to work, full six days at work. So I suppose we're on their day off, it was nice to put on a suit and look smart rather than your sort of old working clothes. Maybe that was where it came from, I don't know. But I remember women on a Sunday, you'd go down, wander down into the town and you'd see women strolling about in their posh dresses on the promenade, not so much. I mean, the shops were closed. That's another thing, isn't it? Going back to the 50s and 60s, shops weren't open on a Sunday. You're lucky to find a, a local sweet shop open to buy your cigarettes. 
<laughs> Everywhere was closed. I remember going downtown on a Sunday, no traffic, no shops open, no people around, nothing. In the summer, of course, people were on the promenade, walking up and down with their kids or dogs or whatever they had. And they did look smart. They dressed up. Whereas these, <laughs> these days, it's, I was going to say, ripped jeans. I'm actually wearing a pair of purple, I love purple, jeans, and the knees all ripped open. These are my engine working on jeans. I have to put old clothes on. If I, I mean, I've already messed up the patio. If I start wearing my, my best jeans or my you know, nice clean shirt when I'm doing the oily engine, I'd be even in more trouble. Stone the crows, I'd be chucked out. I'd be living in the shed. But there we are. So yes, people did dress up then, but it does seem odd on the beach. I do remember in the 50s on the beach, people wearing suits and dresses. Of course, in the older days, the Victorian days, if the ladies allowed a little bit of ankle to be shown, I mean, that was almost pornography, wasn't it? Good grief. Look, you can see that woman's ankle, a bit of flesh. <laughs> oh dear, yes. I mean, I don't remember that far back. Obviously, I wasn't around uh, in the Victorian days, but how things have changed. I mean, these days, honestly, these days, some of the girls, well, we won't go into that. They're barely wearing anything. So, yes, thanks for uh, coming up with that, Ray. That's great. I've been looking at old photos, and Ray sent me a few photos from the 50s, and it's uh, it's quite amazing to see people in their suits on the beach. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, as people get older, I remember as a kid, I'd be in sort of shorts, T-shirt or whatever, uh, you know, mucking around on a building site, <laughs> as, as you did, and I'd see an old lady going past, red-hot summer day, and she's got a coat, a hat, a scarf, gloves. You think, oh, what is going on? She must be sweltering. But of course, the older you get, you you know, you feel cold. Even on a hot summer day, you know, older people can feel cold. I'm talking about old. I mean, I'm not old. I'm early 70s. I'm a mere youngster. But uh, I suppose getting into your 80s, 90s, it's very different at that age. Things do change uh, bodily uh, a lot, don't they? So, okay, now let's get on to the main topic of this week's episode, which is, uh, as I said on the midweek message uh, earlier, I heard a chap on the radio saying, nothing in Britain works anymore, nothing works properly. And I was tuning around on my radio and I thought, that's interesting, I'll have a quick listen. I don't normally listen to these phone-in things, you know, these stations where people phone, oh, I think this and I think that. You know, most of it's rubbish. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'd never phone into a station. I couldn't be bothered. But this chap was saying that nothing works. Then he said, take the railways, for example. So we'll start with that. That's what he started with. He said, OK, apart from the strike that's on at the moment, because there was a strike, wasn't it? Was it last week? Whenever. Before the strike, the railway didn't work properly anyway. He said it hasn't worked properly for years. And I thought about that. And he's right. He's right. Now, a friend of mine used to work in Brighton and he lived in Littlehampton. So he got the train to work every day and then back home every day. Now, the trouble is he worked in Brighton, I think, only for two or three years. The trouble is the train was either late or cancelled or there was a problem, a signalling problem, something gone wrong. As the chap on the radio said, nothing works properly. So he'd get to the station on time. The train was cancelled. So he'd have to get the next train. He was late for work which was all a bit orcs, you know, you can't be late for work 
regularly. It just doesn't look good. He'd probably end up getting the sack. Luckily, his boss was pretty good. But after months and months of this, he thought, I can't do this anymore. I need reliable transport. So he took the bus. There's a, a, is it the 700? We won't know this. I mean, you're listening to this all around the world. But there's a bus. I think it's from Portsmouth to Brighton. One every 10 minutes. And it is good. Obviously, it relies, you know, the timetable relies on the traffic. If there are huge traffic jams, which there often are, then the bus will be late. It's not the driver's fault if he can't get through all the traffic. In fact, it's no one's fault, is it? So this chap started to get the bus from Littlehampton to Brighton, and it took ages. I forget how long he said it took. It's over an hour. I can't remember the time. But at least the bus, there was one every 10 minutes, and at least they turned up. It was a lot cheaper than the train as well, so that was something. It's just the length of time it took him. His boss then said to him, because, you know, he got on well with his boss. His boss said, look, why don't you get the earlier train into work? And he said, well, I've thought of that. I've done that in the past. And I get to Brighton so early, far earlier than I need to. I, you know, I have to hang around before the, you know, the workplace, wherever it was, opened. So that's no good. And then the boss said, look, get, the, get your normal train. If it's late, if you have to get the next one, if it's cancelled. He said, don't worry if you're half an hour late. If you're an hour late, don't worry. Do the extra time at the end of the day. So if you get here at sort of 10 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock, then instead of leaving at 5, you leave at 6. So he started doing that. But that didn't work because the train was cancelled. So he'd get the later train. He'd get to work late. So he'd have to work on late. Then he'd find his train home, which he was already a lot later than he would have been normally. That was cancelled or had problems. So he wasn't getting home till halfway through the evening. Anyway, the whole thing, in the end, he left the job and his boss was upset. But he said, well, what can I do? The only other thing I can do is move to Brighton. And that wasn't really a viable proposition. So he, he left. He left the job and he now works in Littlehampton. I remember getting trains in the old days. Sometimes I'd get a lift to work if one of the lads was going my way or I'd get a lift home. But very often I'd get the train. And I don't ever remember, this is in the 60s, I don't remember the trains being late. I'd stand on the platform and the bell would go. Do you remember the bell? Ding, 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 ding. It means the train's at the next station or something. And then it would turn up. I'd go to work. I was on time. I don't ever remember them being cancelled or late or anything like that. Coming home, the station where I worked was only 200 yards from, from the workshop. I'd just walk over the road, get the train home. I don't, again, remember any being late or signalling problems or anything like that. I don't know, perhaps I've got a bad memory, but I certainly don't remember all the trouble that uh, trains have these days. Bear in mind, when I first went to work, I was 15, so I didn't have a lot of money as an apprentice. It was abysmal wages that I got. So the train fare wasn't huge. I can't remember what it was. These days, well, I don't travel by train anymore, but I have heard that the, the fares cost a fortune. We did look into going to York once. A few years ago, we thought we'd go up to York because there's a, a big railway museum there. I didn't want to drive. It's too far. So we looked into the train. £600. Can you believe it? 600 You can get round it by booking a train here and then booking one to go there and all this business. But even that is hugely expensive. In fact, I know a couple of people that regularly, with work, go to Scotland I forget where in Scotland. And what do they do? They get the uh, an aeroplane from Gatwick. They drive to Gatwick. It's only up the road. Then they get on a plane 
and they fly up there and it's hugely cheaper than the railway and of course a lot faster. So as the chap said, the railways don't work anyway, nothing works properly. Talking of nothing working properly and talking of Gatwick brings me on nicely to his next point. He said airports don't work properly and they don't, do they? Airports have always been a nightmare. I love flying. I love the takeoff. I love the landing. A little bit boring when I went to Los Angeles, 13 hours on the plane, on a jumbo, just wandering around up and down, looking out of the window. And, oh, have another cup of coffee. They showed a film. It was the Iger sanction. <laughs> they showed a film on the plane. But it was just 13 hours of boredom. But anyway, that's beside the point. I loved Los Angeles, by the way. Fantastic. Went there for three weeks. That was 1975. Yeah, 1975. Just before the hot summer of 76. That was a fantastic summer. That It really was. Anyway, we don't want to go on about the summer of 76. Now, friends of ours are going abroad soon. They're flying abroad on holiday. What they're doing, they're going out with one airline and coming back with another. I don't know why, but that's just the way this holiday works out. The airline they're going out with, there's a luggage restriction, of course, as there always is, a certain amount of weight in luggage. The airline they're coming back with has got a restriction. It's less. So that when they come back, they can bring less luggage back than they took out. I mean, that's a nightmare. So what they're having to do is plan the outgoing trip. They only take as much luggage as you're allowed on the return trip. The whole thing is daft. Another thing that uh, recently has happened at Gatwick, I think it's fairly recent, when you drop people off at the airport or pick them up, as I often did, Gatwick's only, what, 40 miles up the road, 30, 40 miles, less than an hour to get there. It's only up the road. People would say, you know, friends, family, could you drop us off at the airport? Yeah, no trouble. Now you have to pay to drop people off and pay to pick them up. A drop-off, I've done it many times over the years, drive into the airport at the drop-off point, they get out of the car, grab their cases out of the back, and you drive off. It takes, how long are we there? A minute? Let's say a minute and a half just to drop off. Or picking up. You drive along, you'd see them waiting, you pull in at a gap, chuck their cases in, they'd leap in the car, and you're off. Again, a minute or two. Apparently that stopped. You, you now have to pay. I, think, I don't know where, how it works, but you have to park somewhere and pay drop off and pick up. So that's just making the whole thing worse. Of course, there is a railway station in the airport. That's if you can get a train. <laughs> so we're back to the railways. Nothing works. Of course, when I was younger and I used to get flights to Spain and Greece, go on holiday abroad, Portugal, Cyprus, all that stuff, there weren't so many people about. My first holiday abroad was in Spain. I was, what, 18? I can't remember how old I was. And there weren't hundreds of thousands of people jammed into the airport. That's the difference, isn't it? There were far less cars on the road. The roads weren't gridlocked with traffic. There were fewer trains because there were fewer people. Perhaps that's why the trains worked back then. I don't know. I suppose it is all down to the amount of people. Now, here's the thing. Just heard from Melinda. Hello, Melinda. Nice to hear from you. She says that near to her... Where's the figure? Here we are. They're building some new houses, uh, approximately a thousand houses, which is great. You know, we need more housing. There's more people in the country, so we need more housing. The thing is, as she says, let's say on average, there's three people per house. 
perhaps two adults and a child. This is average. Okay, some houses you might just have one adult. Other houses you might have two adults and four kids. But we'll say on average, it's three people per house. So that's 3,000 people moving in, right? They're all going to need a doctor. So the local doctor has suddenly got 3,000 new patients, assuming they've all come from outside the area and not just move around the corner. So the local doctor, 3,000 more new patients. He can't cope with that. School. Let's say on average, there's, as I said, one child per house. A 1,000 children, this is what Melinda's pointed out here, A 1,000 children now need to go to school. Well, the local school can't cope. They haven't got a 1,000 places. You know, I doubt that in any area, two or three local schools would have enough for 1,000 kids, 333 Point three recurring children. Can you have... No, you can't. Yeah, 2.4 children people have, don't they? I don't know how you have 0.4 of a child, but still. So it's not just the houses, is it? It's the shops. Can they cope? The doctors, the local infrastructure. This is the point that Melinda's making. And then there's the dentist, the local bus routes. Can they cope with the extra people? The extra cars, everything. It's not just school, doctor... It's everything, isn't it? You bung a, a thousand houses somewhere just on the outskirts of town or wherever. That's 3,000 people on average. It's a huge amount of people suddenly flooding into an area. It just doesn't work. Talking of the local doctor's surgery, we're really lucky with ours. I do hear people say that they phone the doctor. They can't get an appointment for three or four weeks. Of course, by then you've, you've either dead or, or you're cured anyway. Our doctor is really good. We're extremely lucky from what I've heard from other people. They can't get through on the phone. They can't phone even. You just can't get through. The lines are, are jammed solid with people trying to make appointments. Now, I remember when I was a kid in the 50s, we didn't have a telephone. I don't think we got a telephone until I was about 10 or 11 years old. You didn't phone to make appointments. My mum would walk me around to the doctor's surgery She'd say to the receptionist, it's my son, he's got a cough or whatever I had. And we'd give, you know, she'd give our name and address. And we were given a token, a disc, about sort of inch and a half across, a disc with a number on it and a little hole in the top. And you'd go and sit down and the bell would go, ding-a-ling. And whoever had number, say, number 14, they'd get up and hang it on the board. Our disc might be 18. 17 hangs their disc up, but the bell goes... Our turn, hang the disc up on the board, number 18, and we'd go in. The doctor had already got our notes. The receptionist had got the notes for me, my notes, taken them into the doctor. We'd walk in there and he'd say, right, what's the trouble? Oh, he's got a cough, blah, blah, blah. That's how it worked. You just walk around there. Of course, again, there weren't like 100,000 million people on his books. He could cope. And they did visits. They did home visits back then. You know, if I wasn't well enough to go to the doctor... My mum would perhaps go to the phone box at the end of the road and call them or walk round there because it wasn't that far. Walk round there and say, look, he's not well. OK, we'll get a doctor out. It'll be this afternoon or whatever. Usually the same day because they just didn't have the huge amount of people to deal with. These days, I mean, can you get a home visit from a doctor? It's unheard of, is it? I mean, doctors don't go round to people's houses. Stone the crows, it's unheard of. Even something like the, the local dustmen, the bin men, they'd come round once a week. They turned up every week, once a week. Now it's once a fortnight and, of course, rubbish piles up. There's more people. They can't cope 
with the amount of houses that have been built all over what was lovely woodland and farmland is all now housing estates. So even more rubbish and the dustman can't cope with that. So they have to go once a fortnight to pick up the rubbish. It, that doesn't work. When you think about it, look at the other way around. What does work? Rather than try and think what doesn't work, because nothing works, is there anything that does work these days? I've been hearing quite a lot on the news recently about dentists. Apparently, there are very few national health dentists anymore. They're all private. And a lot of people obviously can't afford to go, so they don't go to the dentist. Apparently, there are thousands of people that just don't go to the dentist anymore. Of course, their teeth are going bad, and some people have been trying to pull their teeth out themselves. You get a bad tooth, you get a pair of pliers and pull it out yourself or get a friend to... Oh, it's awful. Just the thought of it is dreadful. That wouldn't have happened. Back in the good old days, you wouldn't have to have people pulling their teeth out because they can't afford to go to the dentist. I've just had a, another look at emails here. There's one from Eric. Hello, Eric. He says, our roads don't work. In as much as look at the potholes. There are potholes everywhere on some of the, the minor roads. The, possibly the bigger main roads aren't too bad, but... In his area, he doesn't say where he is, but in his area, he says they've got some severe, as he puts it, severe potholes. We have, Eric. We avoid certain roads because of the massive potholes. Again, you wouldn't have had that in the old days. Roads full of holes. As soon as a hole appeared, it, it would be sorted out. It would be fixed. They wouldn't have left it for cars to get wrecked suspension, cyclists to have accidents, motorcyclists to crash. You, know, you, you don't leave a big hole in the road. Back in the old days, it, it's, it's repaired, it's sorted out. Whereas now, they've all been left for so long that they can't afford to repair them all. So the potholes remain. So that doesn't work. Actually, I said earlier, let's think of something. What does work? I can't think of anything, anything that does work. Good grief, isn't it? When you think about it, it's an awful situation, really, isn't it? The, the amount of things that used to work and don't now... Another email here from, uh, where is it? Uh, John. Hello, John. He says friends of his were burgled. Only a minor burglary. They got in the back door somehow, took a few bits and pieces. They called the police. The police never turned up. They can't. They did say, the, the police said, sorry, you know, we can't attend every burglary. We can't do it. We haven't got the manpower. We haven't got the resources. Can you imagine in the 50s or 60s, in the old days, you contact your local police station. Well, there is no local police station now. They've all gone. But you contact the police and you say, I've been burgled. They'd have been round there in minutes. Imagine them saying, oh, no, sorry, we haven't got any free men. We, we can't do that. Sorry, you have to forget it. I mean, that wouldn't have happened in the 50s. Actually, the, the police thing doesn't work at all, does it? Apparently, the Met Police, the Metropolitan Police, are now in special measures. And I believe I heard on the news that three other police forces have been put into special measures because they're not working properly. I mean, what sort of situation is that? Good grief. Then there's the other problem that, uh, where are we? Jules. Hello, Jules. Nice to hear from you. He says about the, the rubber dinghies coming across the channel. The border force, the border security, that isn't working. You're right there, Jules. That doesn't work. There's, what is it, hundreds, hundreds of people a week coming across. And of course, again, it's infrastructure. Where are we going to put everyone? People are having babies, people are coming across the channel. There's just, we're a small island. There's just nowhere to put people. You know, we're going to have to build millions of more houses every year at this rate. 
and of course have millions of more doctors' surgeries and police and schools and hospitals, and so it goes on and on and on. Just changing the subject slightly for a minute, I was watching GB News. Have you heard of GB News? It's a a new, I think they've been going just over a year on telly. When they started, there were certain places, I think Sainsbury's was it, certain big businesses, I mean, don't quote me on that, but some big businesses wouldn't advertise on GB News, the news station. They said that they were biased, I think, uh, I'd forget, we're too far to the right, I think. Isn't that a strange situation where you get big companies that are kind of pushing their political views or agenda and they won't advertise on certain radio stations because it doesn't suit their agenda or whatever it is, their political views. I mean, that's odd, isn't it? Again, you wouldn't have had that back in the old days. You wouldn't have big business. Mind you, there weren't many TV. There's only BBC, wasn't there, originally, then ITV. But you wouldn't have had, for example, someone not advertising in a certain newspaper because the paper either lent to the left or it lent to the right, you know, like the the Daily Mirror's always been left, hasn't it, Labour? And the Sun, the Sun was uh, Labour once, but they're now to the right. They're Conservative, they're Tory. But you don't have companies... In the old days, you didn't have them saying, oh, we're not going to advertise in that because we don't agree with their politics. A company was a company doing their business. I don't know, that's strange. I love the NHS, the National Health Service. It's brilliant. I know I said there aren't many NHS dentists anymore. The hospital is fantastic. I mean, they saved my life. When I was, what, 14, they saved my life. And they were brilliant. Back in those days, I haven't had any hospital treatment, fortunately, for a long time. But from what I've heard now, there are huge waiting lists. Uh, I know someone who's waiting to have a, do you know what a stoma is? It's a thing you have, anyway, I won't go into that. But uh, they can have the stoma removed now. It's all finished, you don't need it anymore, you can go back to normal. And they were told this in April, you can have it removed, 18 months waiting list. They've got to wait 18 months to have it removed. Gallbladder. Someone's waiting to have a gallbladder removed. So far, they've waited several months. How long is it? I can't remember. Three, four months. No word. Nothing. It's painful. It's causing problems. Nothing. See, again, in the old days, didn't have that. Didn't have these huge waiting lists. So what is it? Is it the amount of people again? Is it because we've got the population kind of, I don't know about explosion. It's a nuclear explosion. The population has increased massively. People coming from abroad to live here. People having babies. (laughs) I mean, I know people have always had babies, but it seems, I suppose the more people that there are, the more babies they will have. It's, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Exponential, is it? What does that mean? I must ask Alexa. (laughs) Now, that is something that I think is good. In the old days, if I wanted to know what a word meant, I'd get the dictionary out. These days, I ask Alexa. Alexa, Alexa. I mustn't say that too loudly or all your devices will be saying, sorry, I can't help you with that one. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Alexa's good. So what are the good things these days? Computers, social media, is that good? Oh, computers. Now, here's the thing. If your local, what's it called? ATM, automatic teller machine, you know, the thing that gives money out in the street. You put your card in, it gives you money. If they go wrong, you can't get any cash. Your local bank branch is gone, so you can't pop into the bank. So what do you do? You can't get any cash. These days, people would say, well, you don't need cash, you've got cards. But 
in the old days, you wouldn't have had people left with no cash. Computers crash, they break down or whatever they do. The whole banking system seizes up. It just grinds to a halt. It's awful, isn't it? Actually, I take that back about Alexa. I think it was good looking up things in the dictionary or encyclopedias. Everyone had a set of encyclopedias. Well, not everyone, which was great. You want to know something, you get the book out. It would help with children's reading. They'd have to read the dictionary or read the encyclopedia, learn how to use the dictionary and, and the encyclopedia. It was great. It actually got them doing something rather than sitting there. Oh, Alexa, what does this mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I do find it useful. I think I've said before, I don't know, I'm looking at something and it says, oh, it's 150 millimetres. I think, well, I haven't got a clue what that is. What's that in old inches, a proper money? What's that in inches? I just ask Alexa. I suppose, what would you do without computers? You can't look it up. You can't ask. There must have been a way of looking it up. Conversion tables. Yes, I remember that in electronics books, engineering books. Conversion tables, weren't there? You could look up millimetres and it would tell you in inches. But of course, you've got to have all these books. So going back to asking the computer about things, I suppose that doesn't help children read or learn and do things for themselves does it i don't know there we are i still <laughs> i still say i prefer the 60s and the, oh a friend of mine the other day he said beam me up scotty beam me up to the 60s i'm fed up with this it was that oh that was tony friend of mine he wants to get beamed up or not up to but back to the 60s as he said they were great days and uh, he was right they were great days Okay, it's now Saturday, uh, half past two, Saturday afternoon, and it's 19 degrees Celsius out there, which is 66 Fahrenheit. As my neighbour said this morning, it's not hot, is it, for July? It's not hot, actually. It's, it's windy, blue sky, few clouds, but it's windy, and even under our patio roof, it's, what, 23? I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I haven't got Alexa with me. <laughs> Look it up, 23C. That's under the patio roof, which is a little bit like a greenhouse. That's where we've got the tomatoes growing. But it's not good enough, is it? I mean, who can we well, blame the government? We're blaming, I know, Brexit. See, damn Brexit. <laughs> That's ruined the summer weather now. I've been outside painting my Lister stationary engine, which is coming on nicely. I've painted myself as well, and my T-shirt. It's OK, I'm wearing an old T-shirt and my ripped jeans. So it doesn't matter if they get covered in paint. Now, where's, uh, where's my email? Here we are. Frank. Hello, Frank. Frank's saying, Sunday's episode is going to be about things that don't work. Well, that's right, Frank, and here we are. He says, the post office does work. Right, OK. <laughs> it's OK, I've read this email. Right, the post office does work, but in the old days, you could rely on the postman you could set your watch by him. He says when he was a kid, the post uh, turned up at, what was it, where is it? Uh, half past seven. Half past seven every morning. I remember that, Frank, at our house when I was a kid, it was eight o'clock. And as you say, you could more or less set your watch by the postman. Eight o'clock, there he is with the mail. These days, Frank reckons any time between 10 and 2, 10 a.m., 2 p.m. Yeah, I think here we're about the same, Frank, any time from 10 till... Well, certainly half one, if not two o'clock. So it's not that the post doesn't work. 
It's just that it was better in the old days. <laughs> it was better in the 50s and 60s. Mind you, as I've said in a previous podcast, there used to be a morning post, uh, and what was it? Uh, then a lunchtime post, an afternoon post, and up to nine o'clock at night, you'd get the evening post. Four mail deliveries a day in Britain. Fantastic. Then they started this second uh, post. It wasn't a yes, second post. You get your main post, then there was second post. Because I remember people saying, oh, it hasn't turned up in the first post. That's okay. It might get here in second post, which was normally about 11, 12 o'clock. Midday type thing, not midnight, obviously. <laughs> so I don't know, Frank. I know what you mean. I, I don't know what's happened there, why the postman varies between sort of 10 and 2 in the afternoon. I'm not quite sure why that should be. Of course, it was great when it was eight o'clock at our place because it was before we went to school, which didn't affect us kids much. But uh, my parents, before, well, my dad, before he went off to work, he'd get the post at eight o'clock. And yeah, it worked out really well rather than all over the place. I mean, the milkman, we used to have a milkman. He was regular as well. Ours, I mean, some people got milkman at four o'clock in the morning because they started early. Ours was about seven, if I remember rightly if we were getting low on milk, like the four of us kids, all having cereals and porridge. And do you remember Ready Breck? I used to like that, Ready Breck. Excellent. And of course, the milkman was due at seven. So if we were running a bit low, because we didn't have a fridge, not in the early 50s, there was no fridge. We kept the milk in a, <laughs> oh, listen to this, in a bucket of water outside in the shade somewhere in the summer. And of course, in the winter, I remembered. Who remembers this in the winter? You'd open the, the back door or the front door. There's the milk. The milkman had been. And the, the top, the little tin foil top, was pushed about, what, two, two inches? An inch, two inches out of the bottle because the milk had frozen. And, you know, frozen liquid expands. That's why pipes burst as an aeroplane now. And it pushed the cap up about an inch or two inches. In the summer you'd find a load of holes in the little tin for the silver cap. That was the birds. <laughs> they peck holes in the top to drink the cream, you know, to get the cream off the top of the milk. They were great, great days. Now we get them in, what is it, four pint containers. Yeah, that's not in litres, is it? The four pint ones or two pint containers. Uh, I think one or two people in our road still have a milkman. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on that. But as I was saying, you could set your watch almost by the milkman and the postman. And the coalman, of course, he, well, he didn't have a time so much, but that was a regular coal delivery, um, which was great. And he'd lug it up the driveway, round the back, he'd tip it in the coal bunker. And I do remember him going out to the lorry and getting a broom and a kind of dustpan and any dust he'd made round your coal bunker, he'd sweep it up. I can't, well, I can't see people delivering coal these days. Actually, they do. We had a bag of coal. They said, if you want anything delivered, I forget how many kilos it was, a huge sack thing. And this lorry delivered it. And this chap had it on a huge trolley. Oh, I don't know. And he said, well, where do you want this? Where's your coal bunker? I said, I've got a coal bunker. Anyway, he dumped it and I dealt with it. But uh, so, yes, it, you can get coal delivered these days. And there are still milkmen. And there are postmen, but uh, I'm not quite sure where they are at whatever time. Ah, before I forget, whose idea was it? Well, names, uh, names, age and where you're listening in the world. Was that you, Bob, in California? I think it was. OK, I've had a few replies, only about half a dozen. I thought that there'd be hundreds. 
Uh, I've got a few anyway. Terence is in Nottingham. I've got my list here. Doesn't say how old he is. How old are you, Terence? Come on. Brian is in Wales and is 56. Well done, Brian. Uh, Tamsin is in... Where's she? Uh, she's in Australia and she is 27. Well done, Tamsin. Nice to hear from you. Uh, what else have I got here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got uh, Fred in Washington, D.C. And Fred is 60... Where are we? 68. OK, and I've got two extremes. Well, not extreme. Well, they are, I suppose. Age-wise, there's Ed, who is in Spain. He's gone down to Spain to retire. He's you know, from Britain. Ed is 70, uh, where are we, 78. So you're the oldest so far, Ed. And we have, uh, where is it, Diana, who is in somewhere in the UK. She doesn't say where, uh, just UK, that's all she's put. Diana is 18. So there we are. We've got extremes. Is there anyone younger than 18 listening? And anyone older than, uh, than what was it, 70? Lost my list now. I'll tell you what, anyone older than 80... And anyone younger than 18, let me know. Older than 80, younger than 18, anywhere in the world. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Be great to hear from you. There must be someone out there older than me. Well, there is. There are a couple. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know. You have to laugh. If you don't laugh, you cry. So, OK, that's it. Anyone over 80 or under 18, let me know where you're listening from. You don't have to give me names and addresses, obviously, and all that nonsense. Talking of which... More online scams. I had one this morning. I had a text message. The phone went beep. I look, your parcel. No, we could not deliver your parcel. Give us two quid or whatever it was. Go here, give us two quid and we'll deliver it. So what parcel? I haven't got any parcels on the way. Block that call. That's a scam. But it's happening more and more. Loads of stuff coming through. It's awful. Who was it the other day I saw on the news? Someone, oh, I can't remember. It's no good saying that now because I can't remember. That's old age for you. Someone had lost thousands, thousands and thousands of pounds online. Uh, people do this, don't they? If you send us £10,000, what we'll do, we'll do this and we'll, we'll invest it, we'll do this and we'll do that. And people think, oh, that's a good idea. And they send them £10,000. Of course, that's the end of that. <laughs> and it's not always, they were talking about it on the news the other day, it's not always old people. You know, it's not always your senile citizens. That's what Trish calls me instead of senior, if you didn't get the joke. Uh, it's younger people as well, because some of them are so good, they'll say, you know, this is from your bank, and it is your bank. They found out that much, so it's your bank, and they'll say, we need you to contact us, re blah, blah, blah. And people do, they contact, and they start moving money around. Youngsters, well, when I say youngsters, I don't mean like, you know, teens. Well, I don't know, perhaps. Have you ever been scammed? Have you lost money? Be interesting to hear from you. Raise rants at protonmail.com. You can do a few things yourself. Look at the, say you've got an email, have a look at the email address that it's come from. And if it's supposedly from your bank, have a look. And if it says something like fred at yahoo.com, well, <laughs> you know, that's not your bank. So, yeah, there are some things you can do. And of course, if you're not sure, don't click on anything, don't answer, don't do anything. What we do, the older people in our family, yes, there are people older than me, they get something, they will phone one of us. Oh, I've just had this, what should I do? Look, I've just had this text message, email, what should I do? And we tell them just to ignore it, don't click on it, just delete it or whatever. 
or if it's something we're not sure about, we will go and have a look and you look at their phone or iPad and have a look, see exactly what it is they've got. So there we are. That's enough of that. Of course, we didn't have that in the old days, did we? We didn't have uh, online scams. Mind you, we had the chap coming around for the football pools money. I think I've told you that before. He kept a shilling a week from a load of people on the football pools and then he pocketed it. He was meant to send it in to the company he worked for, the football pools people, and he didn't. He pocketed all the lot and just hoped that no one, no one won the million quid or whatever it was back then. Uh, one chap got caught, didn't he? Someone won and you know, they won the jackpot. Was it a million? I, I don't know what it was back then. Probably not that much. Half a million. And someone won and they said, well, we haven't got your coupon. You know, where, where you haven't paid? Where's your stuff? Well, the chap came round. He comes round every week. He's been doing it for years. Ah, right. Yes. And they found the chap and put him in prison. Of course, that didn't help the <laughs> the person that did win the million, but didn't get it. I know it's only 40 minutes long, the episode so far, but I'm looking at that weather out there. The wind has dropped, the flag is now limp, the sky is blue and the sun's shining. So uh, it's although it's lovely in my high-tech air-conditioned recording studio, <laughs> um, it's rather inviting. It looks inviting outside. So I might say cheers for now and I shall see you on Wednesday. Have you got any um, any ideas, things that don't work these days that used to work way back then? It's an interesting idea, actually. As soon as I heard that chap on the radio saying things in Britain today don't work, I just found that interesting. He was right. As I said, he was right about a lot of things. There must be more things that don't work. We'll take the high street. They keep on about reviving the high street. Oh, we get more shops in the high street. People don't go shopping anymore down the high street. That That's a sort of term used in Britain for the you know, the main shopping area in the town when they say the high street. The high street has died. It's all dead and gone. It's true to quite an extent. People shop online now. I wanted a couple of bolts for my engine. They're a special type of bolt. They're very old-fashioned. The engine was built in 19, uh, 1938. And they're Whitworth bolts, if you've ever heard of that. Whitworth. And there's no way to buy them. You have to buy them online. And I wanted a couple of other bits. Gaskets, things like that. I mean, OK, that's rather specialised, but uh, it's all online. And one thing I did buy online that I could probably get locally, I don't know, but that was oil. I would go to the local garage, but there isn't one. In fact, I've got my petrol can because I'm not far off, I hope, starting the engine. So I went off with my petrol can this morning when we went to see my mother. And on the way back, I said to Trish, right, we need a garage. I'll fill up the can for the engine. And we're sort of driving back. Well, what, where are the garages? They've all gone. There are no, what do you call them in America? Gas stations. <laughs> there are no gas stations around. They've all gone. There used to be a load of local ones. I know of three. There's a supermarket one. Well, there's one out of town. I know of three. Uh, four. No, that's not in this town. They've just gone. There used to be, well, not one on every street corner, obviously. <laughs> that would be lying. As if I'd lie to you as if I'd be an unreliable narrator. Oh, that's brilliant. An unreliable relator. So anyway, I didn't get petrol. Now, tomorrow, Sunday, we're going to Amberley, to the Amberley Chalk Pits Museum. They've got a, a steam day. They're going to have steam engines and stationary petrol engines like mine, all going chup, 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 chup. So we shall go there. <laughs> we shall go there. Tris likes it as well. You know, she'll have a, a coffee and a walk round. We'll go and have a look there. 
and I'm hoping on the way back, I do know of a place that, that, where we can get petrol on the way back, or gas, as you call it, gasoline, on the way back. So I put the can in the car and uh, I shall get my petrol tomorrow. And on that note, look after yourselves. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> Take care and I shall see you Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.